Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Friday, November the 5th, 2021. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here to discuss a really great game main slate in the NBA tonight that we will be playing on DraftKings, FanDuel, and so we are going to dive into this today. Real quickly, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already subscribed, give us a little comment or question. That combination really helps us move up the algorithm on YouTube and hit the little uh, bell button in the upper corner there. That alarm bell will let you know or alert you whenever any of our podcast posts, which we are posting 11 podcasts per week. So Join us. We're here every day in the NBA, and we're going to get into this nine-game slate because I want to break this down. We're looking to crush it tonight, and we're going to get started with this first game at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's the Brooklyn Nets at the Detroit Pistons. Brooklyn is favored by 10. The over-under is 211.5. We have an implied total for 110.75 for Brooklyn and 100.75 for Detroit. For as far as the records in this game, Detroit is one in seven, you know, rough start, young team trying to get out of the gate. Brooklyn is five and three. As far as injuries out for Brooklyn is Claxton and Irving and uh, game time decision for livers for Detroit. Other than that, they are healthy. Uh, real quickly, let's throw this into the mix today. A couple more statistical uh, analysis real quickly. Um, as far as pace goes, Brooklyn is eighth in the league at a 102.5 pace, uh, which is, uh, you know, above normal, not bad at all. And then as far as Detroit goes, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Detroit is down towards the bottom. They're 27th uh, at a 94.9. So they will probably slow uh, the pace down a bit in this game. Uh, that is a concern if you're loading up on some of the Brooklyn guys, for sure. From a defensive efficient standpoint, um, Detroit is not done well on that side of the ball either. They're 24th, so that is an elevation to the Brooklyn D or the Brooklyn offense. The bizarre thing is Brooklyn's actually eighth. Now, again, you know, let me beat you to the chase on this. I understand it's a small sample size. You have like eight games is the average that everybody's played. But when you start talking about, you know, uh, a, a look at what these teams are doing, I really think it's it's important to mention these numbers because this isn't a carryover from last year. Uh, numbers you're putting in there from a cruncher from last season don't apply. I mean, it's not like other sports like football or baseball where the numbers are the numbers. Uh, there's major variance here when you have guys moving from team to team. I mean, for example, the most bizarre thing is the Lakers. The main 12 guys that, that are on the roster to play in a given night, uh, nine of them are different from last year. Only LeBron AD and Taylor uh, THT are back. So that gives you an idea of why we want to look at these numbers uh, so soon. But Brooklyn is eighth, so it is early, but their defense has stepped up uh, much better than it had prior. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. And again, I'll refer to DraftKings numbers as the day goes here just to keep things moving with nine games. We, we can't go over all the pricing, but there are some big differences between 
DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo, and definitely would recommend checking us out, uh, jumping in our Discord, and we'll be talking about those there. Uh, you can't, you know, go any further th with Brooklyn other than talking about the fact that uh, James Harden at 10.3 and Kevin uh, Durant at 10.6 um, are the the guys that that you have to worry about here. I mean, they're both can blow up a slate. Uh, question is, can you afford? You can't afford both of them, obviously, but you can afford one of them in this game if you think it's going to stay close. Again, Brooklyn favored by 10 with only that 211 and a half over under makes me a little nervous there. <clears throat> and I do think they'll both share the ball. So I don't know if I'm uh, leaning right now to either one of the big price up guys there. Uh, wouldn't mind getting one of the two, but haven't made that decision yet. Still have to look at how the, the slate flows this afternoon, what value opens up, because it always does. And uh, then we'll take it from there. Um, other than that, really not interested in the secondary guys uh, for Brooklyn, uh, even though they're playing a poor uh, Detroit team. You know, when you talk about Brown, Harris, Griffin, Aldridge, Mills, Millsap, Bembry, Johnson, I mean, they're deep. They play a lot of guys, but none of them really uh, knock it out of the park from a, a DFS points standpoint. And on a nine-game slate, you can't afford – grabbing one of those guys and they take uh, an 11 or 12 fantasy points for you. What I can say is what everybody else I'm sure is going to say, Kate Cunningham is 4.6 on DraftKings. He's cheap across uh, all, all the entire uh, sites for DFS. And I think he's just an obvious play, you know, even if as a huge chalk blocker, I mean, for cash games, which I generally – uh, play cash and single entry GPPs, and that's what I refer to the most here. Um, you know, Kate Cunningham at that price for the usage he's going to get is, I think, outstanding. Um, his, yeah, he did fine yesterday. His numbers, uh, as far as DFS, were good, but he still wasn't efficient. He didn't shoot the ball well. His percentages were low, but his he's going to get opportunity. They're going to run plays for him. He's going to be on the floor, and he's just too cheap to look past. Uh, after that, Sadiq Bay at 6.7, I like him, but you're getting some sharing, you know, of the key buckets with Grant Stewart and Olenek in particular. Um, Grant at 7.4 is coming off a great game. Um, not sure that I want to focus on him as much, though, at that mid-level price. And then pretty much timeshare right now with Stewart Olenek. I know Stewart had a better game, and he's only 4.7. So that makes him a little tempting, but dangerous because he can, you know, if Kelly O's going well, uh, he can get squeezed out of a few minutes. So really uh, this first game, it comes down to, can I afford the Harden or Durant buy, which I wouldn't mind getting one of them. And then following up with the, the cheap Kate Cunningham uh, on the other side. All right, let's go to game two, San Antonio Spurs, Orlando Magic, seven o'clock game, San Antonio favored by four, it's a 213 over under, uh, so two low ones to start off the slate, 108.5 implied for the Spurs, 104.5 for the Orlando Magic. As far as their records, not good, Spurs two and six, Orlando two and seven, two teams definitely on the rebuild. Out for the Spurs is Collins and the big news, Pirtle. That changes everything for the Spurs. 
And then Orlando remains banged up. You have a questionable Gary Harris, MCW, Fultz, Isaac, and Moore are all out. So let's talk about the Spurs and uh, Orlando as far as pace. From a pace standpoint, uh, we're going to look at Orlando sitting at 18, so not much to do there. But how about this stat? This is going to blow your mind. Would you believe me if I told you that as far as pace, number one in the entire league right now is the San Antonio Spurs? Yes, you heard that right. And yes, I hear some of you saying, see, coach, it's a small sample size. You know what? A sample size is a sample size. But the Spurs are playing at the fastest pace in the league at a 104.3. So I'm not going to ignore that. I think it elevates... Uh, you know, Orlando a bit here and, and more possessions, more opportunities. You got to love that. So I think it's it's something to take into effect. Now, as far as defense goes, Orlando's 27th. So poor, very poor defensively toward the bottom of the rung. San Antonio 11, somewhat in the middle of the pack. So what does that tell us here? What are we looking at? I think you've got some buys here. I think there's a lot of spots you can go. I think uh, Cole Anthony has proven at 7.7. He's a stud. I know that he gets DeJounte Murray defense, but I still think he's playable. Um, DeJounte Murray, by the way, is 9.1. So I know he's been great, but over 9K for Murray is just too much for me to bite off. Um, I'll stick with uh, going over some of the other Spurs guys as far as uh, that side, because I do like Orlando's side better. Derek White at 6.1 has been getting decent minutes, but I'm not liking that whole feeling of White, McDermott, Johnson, Walker, Vassell. They're all really taking minutes there and splitting up the usage. They're all cheap, but I'm not going there on a nine-game uh, slate with all the, the juicy guys here in this uh, these lineups. Where we need to discuss it really is, is a couple of things. Keldon Johnson, I guess, at 5-2 you have to think about but he can burn you for sure. But it's the bigs. Drew Eubanks was a big guy to go to at 4.2, but he split the game with Thad Young at center. So uh, that's a concern. That's number one. So I'm not going to go to either one of those guys. The other thing is neither one of them finished the game on the floor. So that's, you know, if you're going to take the shot at, at Eubanks at 4.2 or Thad Young at 5.3, you certainly want them on the floor to finish it. And they didn't. They went small. They actually, this is no joke, they had Keldon Johnson playing the five for the last three and a half minutes of that game. So I am not going there. I will be a full fade. At least that makes me feel comfortable. I will not get popped on Friday night. As far as the other side of the ball, though, I'm probably going to have two guys here because I really, really like four guys in particular. Cole Anthony at 7-7. I think he's worth it. Don't trust Jalen Suggs yet at the 5-1 number. But the other three guys I do, Franz Wagner has been steady. He's 5-5. And again, San Antonio is playing with a fast pace. Wendell Carter Jr. at 6-4 is still very fairly priced in the sixes. A little bit higher on the, the Mo Bamba at 7-1. Um I think he's got a shot here to really dominate, though. It's a totally different story without Pirtle in there. And I know Eubanks will try to beat him up a little, but he's got a lot of size on, U on Eubanks. 
And then Thad Young is is crafty, but I think Bomba can can do a good job here either way. So uh, depending on build and depending on uh, you know salary, I'll have a, a couple of magic in my lineup tonight. All right, game three. Memphis Grizzlies at Washington Wizards. It's also a 7 p.m. Eastern. There's three trio of games there uh, that are playing at seven. This should be a good one, and it's a good DFS one. Memphis is only favored by one, which is on the road. That's impressive. But it's a nice 223.5 over-under. you got to like that. Implied for Memphis, 112.25. For Washington, 111.25. So, you know, you've got both teams very, very respectable in that uh, realm. The Grizzlies are five and three, and Washington's five and three. So very even game. Dylan Brooks remains out for Memphis. They need him back. Washington has Bertans, Bryant, and Hashimura still out. And then Gill and Winston, deep bench players, uh, are probable. So let's talk about pace here for Memphis and Washington. This, this is an interesting one because uh that high number makes you know makes you think they're going to get extra possessions. They're going to get up and down the floor. Memphis is 11th, so that's very solid. Uh, top you know top group. Washington is tied for 15th. So you do have two barely, but they're in the top half of uh, the pace team. So uh, again, Vegas looks at all that when they're producing their numbers. And then as far as from a defensive standpoint. This is where this game becomes even more interesting. Memphis is 29th in the league in defense. So that is not good. And it is definitely a sign to, to look at some Washington guys. Washington's 15th, middle of the pack. So how does this break out then? Let's let's look here. We've got Jaw at a big 9.4. I don't know if he's not worth it, but it's amazing because Beal on the other side is 9.5. And without Brooks in there to guard Beal, I'm tempted on Beal as well. So it would be wonderful if I had extra salary, but I would love to have Morant versus Beal here and sit back and enjoy a game you know, where, where teams are playing pretty quickly and not great defense. Uh, both you know, potential plays for me. Um, on the Memphis side, you know, you can get some some good value with the DeAnthony Melton or Desmond Bain. My concern is, you know, I think you're going to get uh, KCP guarding Bain early on, and he's been a go-to value play for me, but I really respect KCP's defense. And when Bain's out, he'll probably guard uh, Melton a little bit. Now, if they do take Dinwiddie off of Morant and put KCP on him, that would be a reason to uh, fade Morant for me, but I, I think there'll be a rotation there. I think they'll let Dinwiddie start on him. Uh, so, you know, we've got to, I'm going to be watching a lot of coach speak and beat writer stuff to try to gain those matchups as the day goes on. Jaron Jackson Jr., 5.6. If you trust him, he gets in a lot of foul trouble. He did put up a good game the last game, but uh, I'm just too inconsistent for me. Great GPP play, but that's about it. After that, not interested in any of the bench. I know Zaire Williams at 3.1 is tempting because he will come off the bench and, and chuck some threes. Tyus Jones has been out of his mind the last few games, but that screams as a trap play. I think a lot of people are going to say, hey, look at those last two games. He's getting some minutes. He's really producing. He's only 3.5. I've seen this too many times, though. 
And I think uh, I'll be happy to pass him and not take take a shot at that trap. Um, for the Washington side, again, I, I do have some interest in Bradley Beal. I think that that uh, certainly uh, garners some attention. That would be the person I'd go to on that side. Dinwiddie at 7K is right on that bumper of where I think he could be uh, an interesting play. Just uh, maybe just a touch high, but right at that number. Uh, Kuzma at 6.9, he was dinged up a little bit, but he's uh, going to play a little expensive there. Not thrilled that Gafford and Harrell are sharing center minutes. Again, it was much easier when Gafford was out and we could you know, just pile in uh, Montrez Harrell. But Harrell's now priced uh, where he should be at 6.5, which makes it a lot harder on a nine-game slate to take up your center spot with him at that price. And Gafford, just not worth it for the minutes. I will say some of the bench, Neto, Avdia, those guys played a lot better. They're real cheap. Uh, GPP plays, though, for sure. Uh, they definitely have the potential there. All right, next one, Knicks Bucks. Milwaukee's favored by four and a half. It's a 218 and a half over under. Knicks a 107 implied, Bucks 111.5. So this, this could be an interesting game. I know the number's down a little bit lower, but uh, I still think it's a, it's a playable game. 7.30 Eastern game, by the way. Knicks 5-3, and three, Bucks 4-4. Four and four. So, uh, you know, a couple of things here. Injuries, Knicks cl are clear. Uh, Drew Holiday is probable, so he's more than likely going to play. However, I don't know what type of minutes restrictions will be there. I'll be scouring everything to find out what those are because if he's going to play 30-plus minutes, I think, in this matchup against the Knicks, I don't like the Knicks' backcourt defense, then he would be very playable. But if they're going to bring him along slow, 20 minutes, whatever, not in play. Uh, DiVincenzo, Lopez, and Middleton, bing, 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 three starters from last year, all out still for this game, which makes everybody just dive on to Giannis um, and a lot of people playing Thanasis. Um, I'm not as high on him at all. I think, uh, you know, Bobby Portis scoots a lot of those minutes. Um, really what it comes down to in this game, oh, let's talk about real quickly. We, we want to keep checking these numbers because, like I say, with with 10% or so, 12% of, of the season in, again, small, but it's worth looking at because, again, big shifts from last year. So as far as pace go, Milwaukee is second in the league to San Antonio. You'd win a bar bet, free beer betting San Antonio, number one pace, by the way. But Milwaukee was fast last year. They're fast this year. No changes uh, there whatsoever. And then, of course, we know that uh, the Knicks play pretty slow. Not as bad as last year, though. They're 19th. Last year, they were down towards the bottom. They really pounded the ball and played half court. But uh, with all those guards, they have pushed the ball a little bit more uh, than they have in the past. So that, that does get a little bit more interest in this game. This might be a good overplay, too, um, by the way. As far as defensive efficiency, uh, the Knicks, who get all this credit for being such a phenomenal, efficient defensive team, guess what? Not this year. They're 21st, so slow out of the gate, uh, not uh, not the rating anywhere near what they had last year, 106.7, uh, which is not what they expected. So the rumors of their phenomenal defense 
uh, continuing from last year is not there. Milwaukee also not anywhere near where they were last year. They're 14th in the middle of the pack. But again, you know, they have not put those pieces together. A lot of it's because they've had injuries. So again, you know, with those numbers, I think they, they tell you something. Uh, and I think that it makes guys playable here. Um, I've avoided the Knicks backcourt and will continue. I'll mention it each day for those of you that think, okay, this is a Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, Iman Quickly, Alec Burks. And if you want to play one of those guys, be my you know guest. But I just I'm not accepting all the minutes splits and all of the potential of somebody's hot. They get to stay in there, not on a nine game slate. So I'm not going anywhere near any of that. R.J. Barrett's stepping up his game. He's up to a six point eight. Uh, price tag which you know is a little higher than i'd like julius randall not going to go there with Giannis defense at nine six and certainly don't want any part of similar to their guard rotation the knicks are utilizing uh, mitch robinson and then taj gibson and nerland's noel mixing back in now so yeah the knicks are not uh, a fun team to to roster as far as uh, DFS-wise, unless you have Randall in a good matchup, it really comes down to that for me. Uh, the Bucks side is is different for me, though. I I think Giannis is going to undoubtedly be my my payup. I know he's 11-8. I get it. Um, but I think this game will stay close. He's the best DFS points guy uh, in the league, period. I'll argue that with anybody. And I don't want to be chasing a 70-burger from Giannis. Um, I'll just plug them in and make the rest work, find some value. And again, value opens up every day. <clears throat> After that, you know, Drew Holiday at 6'5 is a great play if we know he's going to play big enough minutes. So that's the news that becomes most important. After that, uh, you know, uh, I think Pat Connaughton's been steady enough for a 4.8K price tag. I don't mind him. He would probably be my second favorite. Um, you know, George Hill, you don't want to consider if, with Holiday being back now. And, you know, I like Bobby Portis at that 4-7 number. I would play him over Thanasis personally at the 3.4 number. Um, so Portis has potential uh, as a second guy in. I wouldn't mind going Giannis Connaughton or Giannis Portis. All right. We go to another 7.30 game. So we have two of those. They're the only two on the board. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Toronto Raptors. Toronto's minus five and a half. It's a 210 and a half over under. So low number. 102.5 for Cleveland implied. 108 for Toronto. Um, interesting game here. I'm not, you know, a lot of risk, but there could be some reward. These are two teams playing better than anybody expected. Cleveland's a very impressive five and four, and they play hard. Uh, Bickerstaff doing a great job there. And then Nick Nurse is Nick Nurse. He's one of the top three, four coaches in the league. He's got Toronto at six and three, even with all these changes uh, that they made, uh, losing Lowry, no Siakam all year so far. Uh, very impressive, man. Uh, injuries for Cleveland out is Love, Markinen, and Okoro, three rotation guys for them. And then Siakam and Watanabe remain out for Toronto. So uh, this game is interesting. I, I think that I know the number's low, and these teams both have a tendency to play some low 
uh, low scores, but I, I like the fact that I think it's going to be competitive. Um, as far as pace goes, let's look at that first. Cleveland is 14th, right in the middle of the pack. Toronto's only 20th. Hence, that's why you've got the Vegas total being low. So that doesn't get you excited. As far as defense, Cleveland respectable 10, top 10 in the league defensively, which is really pretty amazing accomplishment since they were down at the bottom all year uh, last year. And Nick Nurse, he, he gets some scrambling, trapping. He does a lot of like college stuff. That's what I love. He, he puts a lot of uh, twists in the defense. They're at a 101. So I respect that as well. So all of those numbers, you know, confirm this this fact that the the uh, over-under is low here and there may not be as many DFS points available. But let's discuss who is. I mean, Darius Garland has been terrific. I think he's playing at another level. He's 6.5. But what I, what I will say is I've seen two of the last three games. He did not finish the game on the floor. And that's because he, he's a poor defender. Colin Sexton, 6.4, didn't finish the game on the floor. That tells you what we've been talking about for so long. And that's how good of a coach Bickerstaff is. You have a starting court, backcourt of Garland and Sexton. They're terrific players, but they're such a defensive, inefficient pair that they take them both off the floor at the end of the game. It's amazing. You know, you had Rubio in there with Jetty. Wade, Mobley, and Allen at the end of the game. Windler got in there a little bit. Stevens got in there a little bit. But they just can't defend with those guards. So it does hurt uh, that you don't get those extra minutes, those free foul shots at the end uh, that you normally would. But I do like Garland a little bit better than Sexton, but I don't think I'm going to go anywhere there. Mobley's going to be pretty chalky. He's 7'2". He's still in that mid-range. And... Uh, you know, he's he's been putting up numbers. Uh, Jared Allen almost broke the slate last time out, and he's only 6'6". Six, six. Uh, you certainly can go there, especially with the fact that Toronto's somewhat playing center by committee with Achua and Birch and a little bit of Boucher. So, uh, you know, I think Allen's in play. I actually like him a little bit better than Mobley for the first time, and it's not points chasing because Allen had a great game last time. I just think it's a better scenario for him, but he can sting you. He is known to be a guy that will put up a big game and then a complete dud. So maybe GPP might slide into a cash game for me. A couple of guys I really like, though. Um, I, I like both back. I like all three guys at the one, two, three for Toronto. I'd love to take two of these guys and just plug them in, but it's a two ten and a half game with less possessions. So it stings. I may end up going down to just one of them, but it's Fred Van Vliet at 8-8, which is a little much. Uh, Trent Jr., who I've just been all over, and he's been great. He's still only 5-5, so he's the favorite to make my lineup so far for sure. He's playing so well. Uh, OG Ananobi, he's been great, but he's all the way up to 8K. This is a guy that last year there were times we paid paid upper fours and now he's 8k the the tough thing about liking all those guys is scotty barnes is back he missed a game or two with injury he's 6.8 which is about where he should be but he does take some usage up he gets some loose balls rebounds putbacks and will take some shots so he's tempting also um not gonna go with the achua birch boucher 
Now, I will say this. V. McKay Luke uh, is a nice ball player. He's going to get good minutes off the bench, but he's backing up. And even at 4.1, I just can't go there on this type of slate. And then Banton is, you know, he's the, the Toronto kid that's actually now worth discussing. I mean, he's getting minutes. He produces when he's in there, and he's dead men in 3K. So really like him as far as a GPP goes. Not going to play him in cash, though. So more than likely in this game, really, to wrap it up, uh, Jared Allen, a uh, good shot to, to make my lineup today or in depending if I have that extra cash and want to switch it that way, uh, or maybe both. I mean, that would be very, very contrarian. And then um, on the other side, Trent at that 5.5 number is great. And then probably either Ananobi at 8 or uh, – Scotty Barnes at 6.8. You know, I'd like to go two, but it's going to be tough. Got to watch the, the value here. All right. Five down, four to go. Super quick today because I don't want to make this too long. This is the perfect day to join us. Fridays, I mean, you can't beat it. You can join Coach Talk by going to DFSCoachTalk.com. And for a three-day pass, it's 10 bucks. I mean, you spend that uh, at McDonald's on some fries and a, a shake and something else. So try us out. We're much more healthy than McDonald's. And you get all our weekend action. So today you get all of our NBA. You get our PGA weekend lineups, which we'll be posting tonight. And then, of course, huge day tomorrow of basketball. Sunday, you've got all the football you can eat. And our, our team of Andrew Omaha Joe, as he's known now, in these parts and uh mr josh crash davis do a phenomenal job on the, the the football side of things so try us out three days uh 10 bucks if you want to go get all the way through to monday to get the monday night game you can get a five-day pass for 19. if you have any questions questions shoot us uh, a message here on youtube dfs coach talk hopefully if, if that's where you're watching us if you're listening to us audio wise anywhere audio podcasts can be heard um, take a second there, give us a, a top rating and a quick comment. You'll get into a drawing to win a free five-day membership. So we'd appreciate that. But if you have any questions, you can hit us up on any of those mediums, including um, Twitter. We're at DFS Coach Talk. I'm at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. All right, first eight o'clock game, four to go. <clears throat> We've got the Los Angeles Clippers, Minnesota Timberwolves. Clippers favored by two and a half, 214 and a half uh, is the over-under. Implied for the Clippers, 108.5 for the Timberwolves, 106. And then what we've got here, the Clippers, three and four, Minnesota, three and four. So two teams really scrapping. One of these two will get to 500. Um, both, you know, can be dangerous teams. Minnesota, key guy out, D'Angelo Russell. That shuffles the deck a bit. And uh, Clippers, we know, are completely banged up. Ibaka, Leonard, Morris, Preston, out. Let's take a look at the pace here. Because this, I think, is an interesting piece of this puzzle. Clippers are all the way up to sixth in pace. So they are getting up and down the floor. And that makes it pretty palatable. And guess what? Minnesota seventh. So you've got two teams in the top seven in pace. I love that. That puts this game on the map for me. It's the best combo uh, so far as far as what uh, what they're producing from a pace standpoint. From a 
defensive standpoint, even without Kawhi, the Clippers uh, are the sixth most efficient team defensively, which is no surprise with with stalwarts uh, that they have uh, on that defensive side. Also, as far as defense goes for Minnesota, um, they are also very respectable at ninth. So, you you know, they have turned that's been an incredible turnaround because they were down towards the bottom all of last year. So you've got two pretty quick teams, but two pretty quick defensive teams. So that gives you a bit of a dilemma here. But let's see if there's any diamonds that we can pull out. Uh, Reggie Jackson at 6-1, Eric Bledsoe at 4-2, possibly, you know, challenging. Say why. More than likely, Pat Bev's going to start a point guard against his old team, the Clippers. So you know he, at 4K, is going to be so much up in the business of those guards. It's not even going to be funny. It actually makes Beverly playable for me. I know that he's going to split some time. Um, at point, you'll get McLaughlin, you'll get a little Beasley, a little Edwards even. I mean, they'll switch it around. But Pat Bevitt 4K is in play for me because it's his old team. Really good revenge narrative here, and I think he'll be up uh, to do really well. Um, <clears throat> as far as the other Clippers go, Paul George is another option for a, a big pay-up guy at 10-4. You know, I, my concern there, I think he's a great play. I always do. But at 10-4, he'll get a combination of a Kogi, McDaniels, and Vic. 